As his fire is steadily holding between Azerbaijan and Armenia after border clashes broke out just days ago. Armenia says more than 100 of its soldiers died in the fighting, while Azerbaijan said at least 50 of its troops were killed. Both sides have traded blame for breaking a Russian-brokered ceasefire that ended the six-week-long Karabakh War back in 2020. Monday's clashes broke out along their border with reports of heavy shelling heard at multiple points. Turkey's President Recep Tayyip Erdogan voiced his support for Baku during his meeting with his Azerbaijani counterpart at the SCO summit. President Erdogan also warned Armenia could suffer consequences for further provocations in the South Caucasus. Meanwhile, Armenia's Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan is facing trouble at home. On Wednesday, thousands took to the streets in Yerevan, demanding his resignation over the reported ceasefire. The two ex-Soviet states have been embroiled in a decades-long dispute over Karabakh, which is being occupied by Armenia, but is internationally recognized as being part of Azerbaijan. The two countries went to war over the region in 2020, which left more than 6,700 dead. For more on these latest clashes and the impacts they could have, joining us from Houston is Matthew Bryza. He's a former U.S. ambassador and board member at the Jamestown Foundation. And from Baku, Farid Shafiev. He's a former Azerbaijani ambassador and is currently chairman of the Center of Analysis of International Relations. A warm welcome <coughs> to you both and thanks for joining me on Straight Talks. So, Farid, why has fighting broken out all of a sudden and what sparked these uh, latest clashes? No, actually, we had uh, occasional clashes, uh, including this year after the Second Karabakh War, after 2020 war. But these clashes uh, is the largest in terms of scale and unfortunately in terms of the people uh, perished. And the reason why we have clashes right now probably lies uh, in the fact that despite some positive dynamics um, of negotiations over the peace treaty between Armenia and Azerbaijan, yeah. the latest meeting in, in, in Brussels between Pashinyan, uh, Prime Minister of Armenia, and President Aliyev uh, didn't go well. And basically, um, Azerbaijan offered a peace treaty based on the principle of mutual recognition of territorial integrity of Armenia and Azerbaijan. But um, Pashinyan later, he tried uh, to reintroduce the question of the uh, Karabakh, so-called Karabakh, and that means basically they would deny territorial integrity of Azerbaijan. And then the, uh, the domestic situation also get tense, and I think all these factors contributed to the uh, situation on the border. So it was building up. Matthew, uh, were you expecting such intense clashes? No, of course not. And I think it's important we look at the underlying dynamic uh, of really of politics inside Armenia that has led, as, as Farid said, this has led to these low-level clashes continuing. But, you know, there, it's, the, I think what has been happening is that Prime Minister Pashinyan seems to want to move forward with implementing the various agreements he signed with President Aliyev after the 2020 war. But his political opponents don't want that. And his political opponents from the old system uh, would prefer there to be constant conflict uh, with Azerbaijan. I think even though they know there's no chance they could win a larger conflict, uh, certainly not one that's escalating the way it has been in recent days, but they don't really care about that. They're just mm -hmm. trying to use tension with Azerbaijan uh, as a way to strengthen their own political positions at the expense of Pashinyan. And Pashinyan isn't strong enough to, to resist, apparently. 
Uh, would you agree for it? And uh, if Pashinyan implements the ceasefire agreement, how is that going to play out for him? I mean, is he risking his uh, political career on this deal or he has already <clears throat> pinned his political survival on this deal? Yeah, I just would like to uh, to correct one thing. We're not speaking about ceasefire. We're speaking about permanent peace treaty between Armenia and Azerbaijan. Okay. And a few days ago in the parliament, Pashinyan, basically day after the yesterday, he said that I'm ready to sign peace treaty, even I will be called traitor. But a few hours later, because of the big demonstration on the streets of Armenia, he uh, kind of abandoned his words. So what we see that the Armenian, certain segment of Armenian society, and here I agree the, with Mitya Braiza, uh, the especially so-called old um, rulers of Armenia uh, who came to power on the wave of Armenian nationalism over Karabakh. Mm -hmm. uh, so we don't want peace. So uh, Pashinyan, of course, is, is a bit cautious and is bit, uh, he's, uh, uh, he's worried about the consequences of his words. And also, returning to the question of the clashes, uh, what uh, paradigm a bit changed, we have to acknowledge. Mm -hmm. Before, all actions, all destructions, military actions happened on the territory of Azerbaijan. But this time, because of these attacks and provocation, from the Armenian side, Azerbaijan decided to launch attack on the territory of Armenia and target military installations on the territory of Armenia. That's, that's now is different. So okay. Armenia from now on knows that they will be attacked if they you know, launch anything against Azerbaijan. So uh, Matthew, the US had a more incriminatory tone against Azerbaijan than the European Union. So could this be somewhat uh, linked to this landmark uh, gas deal between Azerbaijan and the European Union. How crucial is the stability of this region for the energy needs of the West? Well, it's, it's quite important. I mean, Azerbaijan is delivering 10 billion cubic meters per year of natural gas right now to the European Union, and the European Union wants more. Uh, to put that in perspective, uh, last year Russia delivered about 155 billion cubic meters. So um, Azerbaijan, if it adds a bit to the amount of gas it's already supplying Europe, it can maybe replace around 9% or 8% uh, of what uh, Europe no longer will take from Russia. Uh, that's important for certain parts of Europe, especially South Southeastern Europe, for example, Bulgaria, uh, has had the gas cut off entirely by, by Russia. Uh, and so uh, Azerbaijan can play an important role. But as, of course, Azerbaijan is not the answer to replace all that Russian gas. Uh, and it's important, I think, for Washington and for Brussels uh, to have Azerbaijan um, being supportive. Uh, and, and I would argue pursuing its own national interests in terms of delivering gas to Europe. It was it's Azerbaijan's own national policy for for a couple of decades now to secure its frankly its independence mm -hmm. uh, and sovereignty by connecting itself physically and economically uh, with Turkey and then with the European Union. So I think that's a mutually uh, beneficial relationship that will only strengthen now. So far, it. What do you make of the U.S. efforts to revive the Minsk group, mm -hmm. and is it still an effective tool to restore peace uh, between the two rivals? Or things had dramatically changed after the 2020 war. Minsk group worked uh, for uh, 30 years. Unfortunately, <coughs> did see it. So what we had, it's the Madrid principles elaborated in 2009. 
But uh, Armenia abandoned those principles in spring 2020, and uh, probably that's why we had a war. So I don't think uh, the American efforts, uh, I mean, many people think that American efforts to reintroduce means group or reactivate is it's really wrong. Just I would like to address the issue of this American incremental policy towards Azerbaijan, I mean, latest on. I think it's related with the midterm elections. We just heard that the Speaker Pelosi coming to Armenia, and she is from California with the big Armenian constituency and the votes. That's, I think, the real reason. And when people speaking about the gas, importance of gas for Europe, I don't think uh, European Union uh, is, does not incriminate Azerbaijan because of gas. Because the European Union knows that the peace should be based on the territorial integrity of Azerbaijan. Mm-hmm. And uh, Azerbaijan sells gas for 15 plus years. And by the way, before the uh, Second uh, Karabakh War, and it didn't help Azerbaijan uh, anyway in terms of the resolution of the conflict. So, Matthew, Turkey's president met with his Azerbaijani counterpart during the SEO summit in Uzbekistan. Before that, he openly voiced his support for uh, Baku and blamed the provocation on Armenia. So the question is, is there still room uh, for Ankara to play some sort of a facilitating role between Baku and Yerevan to reach an understanding? Or this has all been derailed now? Uh, Frankly, as a former U.S. mediator of the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict as the U.S. co-chair. Um, you know, I, I always saw that Turkey wanted to play a mediating role, but that was simply impossible because there's so much, so much bad feeling in Armenia toward Turkey. So I, I, I don't think there's a possibility, that, or there ever has been a possibility for Turkey to be a mediator. What Turkey's role is here is a counterbalance uh, to Russia which has historically been so supportive of Armenia. So uh, Turkey is, A, supporting Azerbaijan and played a crucial role uh, in allowing Azerbaijan to uh, achieve its victory and restore its territorial integrity and bring the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict in line, or situation, I should say, in line with international law and end Armenia's occupation. Uh, And that was a huge contribution by Turkey. And then the second contribution has been its modest but still significant peacekeeping presence on the ground, which again counterbalances Russia's presence in Azerbaijan. And I think without that Turkish counterbalance, which is not a mediation role, but counterbalance, I think the conflict uh, would risk uh, reigniting and and becoming more serious again. So far, what's your take on that? I mean, has this latest, let's say, fighting create a severe distraction for Russia as things are not going as planned in Europe? And could Ankara really counterbalance Russia when it comes to that region? It is, I fully agree with the Ambassador Breiza, Turkey playing very positive role in the South Caucasus in terms of the counterbalancing interest of other geopolitical or regional powers. And we're not speaking about only Russia, but also Iran. And I think uh, Turkey presence is important and might actually uh, contribute to the future uh, regional development if we achieve the peace uh, when we're speaking about the Turkish-Armenian normalization process, uh, which uh, should be go in parallel with the peace process between Armenia and Azerbaijan. All right, gentlemen, unfortunately, we'll have to leave it here. Thank you very much for joining me on Straight Talk.